The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, everyone. You are listening to the Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm here with my friend, my uh, old old friend that I've known for a really long time, Chandrasekhar Acharya Prabhu. Chandrasekhar Prabhu, thank you for joining me. Prabhu, thank you. Thanks to everyone watching. It's my honor to be on your on your really cool podcast, really. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So Chandrasekhar Prabhu has a really interesting story. Um, he does a lot of interesting things. He's done a lot of interesting things in the past. So let's get into it and hear his story and talk about all kinds of awesome things. So uh, Shaker Prabhu, so I understand you grew up in um, Beverly Hills. Yeah, I kind of ping-ponged, you know, born in L.A. and uh, grew up in Paris, a little bit in Mexico City, uh, back to L.A. Yeah, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills. So I kind of went to high school in, in Santa Monica, living in West Hollywood, Beverly Hills. And I did live in Beverly Hills during my, what, I guess, ninth to 13th year. And so, yeah, back and forth between Paris and L.A., really. Very cool. So to kind of kind of walk us through like your your kind of your upbringing as well as how you came in contact with uh, devotees. Well, I uh, grew up in a Catholic, you know, background, but not very practicing at all. Like my dad had grown up with the Jesuits. Um, he was Caucasian French, but he grew up in Egypt because his parents wow. worked for some French company uh, near the the Suez Canal in Alexandria. So he grew up raised by the Jesuits. The, the Jesuits have their game, their game down, you know, they, yeah. <laughs> they grow their church by education. Oh, right. So, um, but he was never really touched or he was more of an agnostic. And my mom was more of a Catholic. She immigrated to America from Croatia with her mom when she was 17 or something from a Catholic background, but um, both parents were never very sort of, you know, never took me to church. I think I got my first, no, like, uh, what is it? My, my first communion, I think, or, because my, my grandma was insisting. And um, right. I met devotees when I was nine on Venice beach. Nine. I was taking a walk there yeah, with my mom. <laughs> and you know how sometimes yeah, there's a Harinam party and then you'll see like a little kid with the parents and the mom says, you know, come <laughs> here, Johnny, you know, <laughs> They're they're called like, <laughs> but that wasn't the case. You know, God bless Krishna, bless her soul. She uh, she kind of let me get closer to the table, and there were devotees there. With, they were passing out free books, and uh, and and prashadam. So I got my lemonade prashadam at age nine, and, wow. and got a small copy of Back to Godhead. No, coming back. Sorry, coming back. Mm-hmm. A small little book. So I was nine, and uh, then for ten years, nothing, no contact. Went to high school. In high school, I was just naturally inclined to Eastern philosophy. So on my own, I started kind of looking into Buddhism. I had a really cool philosophy slash history, world civilization teacher, Larry Morissette, still alive and he's, he's retired now. He's a really nice French Canadian professor with whom I had a nice rapport. And he, he had us read, you know, different sort of extracurricular passages. And, and so he kind of, I think would, would, I would say was my sort of, opening door to Eastern philosophy. And um, then I went to Cornell University and on spring break, I was flying from LA to um, back to New York, back to New York, then to to Ithaca. And um, in the airport, some devotee 
just like walked right up to me as I was boarding and like showed me some sort of little cartoonish thing that said, you've just been arrested or you've been cited, you know, you're, you're, you're getting a citation for it. And there's like, you know, four or five check-in boxes. One of them was, you know, looking too good or smiling too much or looking too happy. And I was like, what? And he's like, he hands me this book. And then he's like, can you give a do I think he was, he asked me for a donation. I was like, I'm boarding. He's like, no, please, you know, give some. So I, I think I gave him a donation or something, but I walked away with this message of Godhead, this book that Prabhupada wrote um, before coming to America, a small essay right. on the third chapter. Right, right. So I took that book with me to, to Ithaca. And um, then I took a, then on, on, on at the end of the, of the spring semester, I asked my dad who lived in Paris at the time, if I could go spend two weeks in Careyes, which is um, a beautiful resort on the Playa Nayarit coast near Puerto Vallarta in Mexico, on the west coast of Mexico, where my dad, since, since I was born, had a little casita, a little house in this development. And we used to spend, uh, well, one Christmas I'd spend with my mom somewhere and then one with my dad, you know, back and forth, my dad being in Paris, my mom in L.A., Right. But I'd spend every Christmas, almost, I mean, every two Christmas holidays there, like religiously. A beautiful place right on, you know, just beautiful on the beach and everything. So I asked him if I could just go and take a break there. He's like, yeah. So he made arrangements for me to, to have access to the key to the, to the little, you know, house there. And uh, it's, it's off season in June, May. There's, there's not many people there. And... I was just having my quesadillas or something. I had already become a vegetarian because I had some friends from high school, Crossroads High School in Santa Monica who had like, you know, pushed me to become a vegetarian. I had already done so. I guess that's the effect of Prabhupada's books, I would have to say. Right. Like this sort of subconscious, I guess, agyata sukriti as we would call it, right? Mm. And the reason I'm telling the story is because there is when I met, that's when I had a really uh important event um which i describe in my little memoir by the way mm. tari tari benvenuti this italian lady who is older than me she kind of was like an older sister slash slash mother figure she lived there in in mexico married to a mexican gentleman since since years she had a little shop there that sold you know silverware from guatemala and then she kind of looked like the sort of shaman white kind of which quote unquote kind of person and she stood out from the rest of the sort of the jet set people who came to Careyes. And with her, I always had a relationship since 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 I was a child. Like we always spent time together. She was very affectionate. And she had gone to India. She had she was a follower of Paramahamsa Yogananda and other sort of you know Advaita Vedanta gurus. And so she had so I'm just there at the restaurant one day and she's like she, she comes up to me she's like what are you doing here I don't know how are you and I was like well what are you doing here I just grad I'm just you know finishing my first year of college and and she's like well listen I'm here with my two sons and I'm driving from Guatemala all the way to San Diego for this huge fair and so we're stopping here for a few, for a week and I didn't realize how long the travel is can you drive with me accompany me and my two boys to San Diego instead of flying back to LA yeah. And so I was like, you know, why not? Why, why shouldn't I not help her? And it'll be fun. So I said, yeah. So I canceled my, you know, I didn't fly. And by maybe five days before, we took the seven-day trip from central West Coast, Mexico, uh, in this yellow hippie, van, you know, those Volkswagen hippie vans? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so these two little boys and this uh, friend, 
mentor. And on the way, it was just like all about Shiva and Ganesh and this. And, you know, you had that little altar there, the passenger seat with incense and, and cloves and uh, what's, you know, what's that sort of typical incense you burn? These white sort of gray leaves. You're from oh, 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 yeah, like sage or something. Sage, sage. Right. And so she was telling me about Paramahamsa Yogananda and this and that and this Babaji and that Babaji and you got to go to India. And, and that's when I did my first kirtan was with her, actually. Wow. With her kids under a tree, you know, somewhere where we stopped and had some, guatem you know, some guacamole and, 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 and tortillas. And so she, she gave me a list of books I had to read. Um, and so then I decided to do a year abroad. And so that following fall, we're talking September 93, I was at the Sorbonne University in Paris. And of all the things I took with me to spend that year in Paris as a year abroad from Cornell was that small book, Message of Godhead from Prabhupada. Mm. And one afternoon I was just flipping through it and I saw like ISKCON centers worldwide and I scrolled down. I saw, wow, Paris has one. So out of the blue, I just, out of curiosity more. So I called and fortunately someone answered like, Thank you, Krishna. Someone answered. You know, sometimes you call an ISKCON center and <laughs> no one picks up. <laughs> they have it down at the Bhaktivedanta Manor and other places. But um, <laughs> fortunately, someone answered and the person said, yeah, well, this is a town. I was like, well, what do you guys do here? What is it? And he's like, well, this is a temple and we have some monks living here and we have services. And, and as a matter of fact, there's a famous monk, a famous Swami coming in Paris. He'll be doing a, a program at the Indian Cultural Center in Paris and such and such a quarter in, in a week. And that was Bhakti Charu Swami. Oh, wow. And so he's like, you should come, you should go. So I was like, okay, I wrote down the address and everything. And, and then this I called. 93? This is September 1993. Wow. Yeah. So I called my friend I Kipman, this Vietnamese adopted son of a, of a Jewish French family. I was like, hey, man, there's this you know, Swami coming to town. He's going to give a talk. Do you want to go? He's like, okay. So we went there and, and I entered the hall and. There weren't that many people. There were there, were few, there was this uh, Swiss. I learned later, Swiss lady devotee who came up to me and started talking to me about the Vedas and how the Vedas are, you know, a treasure house of knowledge that talks about everything. And I was like, wow, the Vedas, you know. <laughs> and it was time to go into the auditorium, and I sat down, and and then Bhakti Charaswami came on stage, you know, accompanied by by a French devotee translator. And when he sat down and and spoke, I was just blown away. Wow. I was like, I was like, wow. He so spoke about reincarnation. And, you know, because of my studying a little bit of, you know, between joints and, and girls, <laughs> studying Buddhism, um, I was kind of attracted by the idea. And, and, yeah. and so when he talked about the Bhagavad Gita's version of, of, of reincarnation and how, you know, the personalistic view of reincarnation, how there's a, an actual soul who transmigrates and all that, I was like, wow, this is it, you know? And then, and at the end of the talk, he's like, well, if anyone come, wants to come on stage now, we're going to do a kirtan. And, and I really felt like there was like a hand lifting me up from underneath my butt and just like walking down the, kind of like, you know, the, I guess the Billy Graham equivalent of, you know, walk down the aisle and accept Jesus, you know. So I, I literally like walked down the aisle <laughs> and accepted Krishna. Wow. <laughs> he came up on stage and. Then he started leading a kirtan and, you know, passing the microphone to people. And he came up to me and I, I didn't even know the Maha Mantra. I was like, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And he just smiled. And, and then I got this ride back home with, a, with this guy who, just, who was there, who gave me a ride. And on the way back, I was like, what, what did I just experience? You know, and, and to this day, I like the analogy of, I felt like I, felt like I was like a janitor in, let's say, a, 
CIA building, okay? Mm. And my shift is like from 10 p.m. to 2 in the morning. I come in there like I've been doing for 20 years and I just clean, you know, the floor and I have access to the places I'm supposed to clean I, and I do my thing and I go home. But one night, like the top security office door happens to be open and I'm just <laughs> going to wander in there just out of curiosity. And, and there's all these files, these top secret files on on the desk, you know. You know, that this is gonna be a disclosure now, supposedly in June, right? About the UFO phenomenon. Anyway, so so and I felt like I'm I'm just like innocently looking at all these files. And then the head of operation comes and says, you know, what are you doing here? And then what do you now from now on your life can never be the same because you're part you're part of the whatever, you're part of the conspiracy, you're in the knowledge, you're in the know of these files, and yeah. you know, your identity is gonna change, everything's gonna change. You can never go back. And I felt like that, like, oh my god, if I'm really wow. honest with myself. What I just experienced is not just an ordinary going to see a movie or going to a party or going to a museum or it's just something of a different category, you know? So your paradigm was but basically like all shifted in that one talk. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Wow. And so now you felt like, okay, I need to pursue this. Yeah. I felt like, yeah, I called my, my, my dad had this uh, Buddhist friend, an old gentleman who had polio so he had a limp robert Langvillard was his name and he called himself a buddhist so, so i called him the next day robert robert i went to this you know there's a swami and they have a temple in noisy le grand outside of paris and can you drive me there they have a program on sunday and he's like okay so he picked me up and my dad's like where are you going i'm going with robert to a temple he's like what you know he little did he know that i would you know drop out of college like three months <laughs> three months later and wow <laughs> joined the cult right um or joined the brahmacharya ashram <laughs> <laughs> so I went there and then, you know, my first dar. you grew up, you grew up in a devotee Vaishnava family. Right. So you know what it's like to have darshan of, 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 of a life size or a, a large size deity, you know, since you have that samskar since birth. Yeah. But I didn't. And so I remember that we went in there we came a little early and there was a brahmachari there. He's like, well, come, this is the temple. And he opened the temple room and he showed us a, a statue of Prabhupada. And then, and then that's Krishna. And, and I was just like, whoa, you know, that's a beautiful deity of Radha Parishishwara, three-dimensional with clothes. And I was just like kind of mesmerized. And... You, you, you're very open-minded, it seems. And that because, because you know, sometimes people, it stops, like it stops there. Like, okay, like this is too much now. Hmm. It seems like when someone's like kind of really looking and open-minded, then anything that can be shown, like that's part of the, you know, the, the whole Krishna conscious experience, it's like, that's okay. And I, I just got to like, I just got to be explained what this is. There's no like, kind of like wall up. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I've been in past life. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so then, so then you went to the temple and then what happened? Bhakti Charuswami gave a talk. Oh, there was a class. He's just talking about India and he's like, you know, and so I felt like, wow, I got to go to India. I got to go to India. So like, any yeah. questions? And I asked what I think is the most ridiculous question I could have ever asked. As I raise my hand and I go, can anyone go to India? Like, cringe, right? And he's like, yeah. And, but then I guess he saw that I was kind of serious. He said, so when do you want to go? And I said, now. And everyone kind of laughed. And he, but he didn't, he kind of chuckled. But he said, well, we'll speak later. We'll speak after. So, so then I was told by his secretary to come back the next morning. So I came back to Bhagavatam class the next morning by, by subway. And then, yeah, and then he, so he met me. So where do you go to, you know, what do you do? I'm half French, half American. I go to Cornell. Oh, that's a good school. Stay in school, he told me. But then 
he's like, well, if you want to meet me in Bombay in 10 days, here, <laughs> here's my secretary. You can meet me in Bombay. And I was like, you know, like dropping everything and, you know, go travel with some Swami in Bombay 10 days later. It was like, I mean, it wouldn't have been even possible because I didn't, I don't think I had the money. I didn't visas and all that. Right. So he left. And then, then fortunately, next to where I lived, which is a little studio apartment on the top floor of my dad's apartment next to the Pantheon, next to the uh, Luxembourg Garden in the fifth quarter, you know, where Hemingway used to write his books and stuff. And beautiful, the Latin quarter. Yeah. Um, the devotees had a little outreach center, about a 10-minute walk next to the Seine River called the Centre Culturel Hare Krishna. And they had like three you know, programs a week. So I would go there three times a week and, you know, just same old Kirtan, Bhagavad Gita Prashadam, Kirtan, Bhagavad Gita Prashadam. Yeah. But I remember I came to the temple and then one before I got everything even the Bhagavad Gita, by now by that time I still don't know anything about the Bhagavad Gita. I don't even have a copy. I just have that message of Godhead book. And some brahmacharya at that temple gave me a big old red book, which was published by the Northern BBT at that time, the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust, right? The publication of, of the Hare Krishna movement yeah. called the Nectar of Book Distribution. Oh, I you know ever see book. a copy of it, Namras? Yeah, I've seen that book. I love that. That's such a great book. It's got a lot of pictures in it. I remember as a kid <laughs> reading it. A lot of quotes from Prabhupada, a lot of testimonies from different devotees. Yes, yes. So, I, so he gave me that. And so my first my first impression, you know, they say first impressions are last. My first impression of the Gaudiya Vaishnava theology was very much through the lens of famous verses from the Chaitanya Charitamrita, from the Bhagavatam, and, and, and from Prabhupada's commentaries about the importance of outreach, about the importance of Mahaprabhu's mercy of spreading Krishna consciousness, you know? Right, right. And I remember I had this, I had this collection of like 70 or 100 CDs. It was pre-MP3 days, right? Right. <laughs> so like, you know, everyone, Led Zeppelin, Lenny Kravitz, uh, The Doors, um, you know, Bob Marley, Eurythmics, uh, etc. And... Um, you know, and I had heard classes by then, you know, it's Maya, you know, <laughs> anything that doesn't talk about Krishna or God is Maya. So, so I had this bright idea. It was actually a good idea. I mean, I, I wish I, because I lost all those CDs and I wish I had still ha had them. Anyway, so what I did is I, I like, I took all these Bhagavad Gita's in one backpack and then I took all my CD collection in another and I left just one CD left in my little studio, which was a, a CD of Prabhupada singing. The Das Avatar Stotram and this song Amara Jivana, you know, by that, that yeah. Bengali song by yes. And so I took all my CDs. I went to the to the intersection of of uh, Boulevard Saint Germain and and, uh, and and Boulevard Saint Michel. There's a lot of people, and I plopped bo both books down and I said, "Free CDs." So all of a sudden, I got a crowd around me all of a sudden. And I'm like, yeah, you can, you can take three CDs for free, any one of your choice, but you have to buy this book too. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 30 francs or something. And they were like, you know, yeah, okay, I'll take a Stevie Wonder and um, whatever, Madonna and, uh, you know, and, and, and um, you know, Funkadelic album. And, uh, and, I'll, and But I don't want the book. No, 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 you got to buy it. So I was like, okay, so. And I swear to God, like within 10 minutes, you know, all my CDs were gone and all the gears Wait, were gone. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. This is this is fascinating. So you you had because you had read that art of book distribution book, you felt like this is the right thing to do was to was to do the outreach of, of you know, selling the books. 
I would have given them now today, but yeah, back then, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and you were like basically very new. It wasn't, you weren't like completely like, uh, I mean, you had read a, that little book, but you hadn't, you know, kind of really fully, you know, convinced or set yourself or anything. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Wow. And then, I mean, then you became like a, you know, a big book distributor, like later on. Anyway, let's continue with the story. I love it. Well, sort of a turning point at that point, it was like, you know, I feel like for those who are watching, uh, historically, a little parenthesis, a little sociological observation. You sure. Know? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. You know how Prabhupada disciples, they often talk about, you know, when did you join? What year did you join? That term join. Join. Yes. Yes. You know, there's this movie, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters by Woody Allen. And there's that famous scene in there where he's like going through a sort of a, a religious crisis, trying to find a, you know, a religion. He's shopping for religions. Yes. He's walking by some Hare Krishnas, right? Who are dancing. <laughs> yes, I've seen that. Yeah. Remember that scene? Yes, I do. Yeah. It's so telling. And then the devotee gives him a Gita and says, well, you know, think about it. And, you know, and he asks him this funny question. He's like, well, you guys believe in reincarnation, right? And he's like, yeah. So he's like, well, does that mean that if I, if I like, if I'm a bad person, I'll come back as an aardvark or something in my next life? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, 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 the devotee's like, well, just read it and think about it. And, and then as he walks off, he's like, who are you kidding? You're going to become a Krishna. You're going to shave your head, put on robes and dance in airports. You got it. I'm so depressed. End of scene. <laughs> and so um, why am I mentioning this story? What did uh, you just say? Uh, because you were talking about how Prabhupada disciples, they say, ask you, when, do you when did you join? join? Right. So that's yeah. the whole idea. Yeah. Because Woody Allen tells him, look, you know, the first thing he asks the devotees, like, listen, I don't want to join. Okay. I just have a right. philosophical question. I don't want to join or anything. Right. It's like, right. you know, I'm interested in Krishna, but I'm not, you know, ashram material, you know? Right. And so I think there was like this wave of, you know, from the set, from the six, late 60s to, I would say, I mean, Birch Rochford from, you know, who wrote books on, on the Hare Krishnas. Yes, yes. Our well-wishing academic. And he, he also, I mean, he makes a good analysis that basically from the, you know, early mid-60s to mid-80s, you wanted to become a devotee of Krishna, you had to drop everything. Right. Right. And you have to join, like join a, a temple, join a rural community, give up your job. Your, and in a way, we could argue that that's not really our I mean, we could definitely make an argument that there's other ways to become a devotee, like Stanistitaha, yeah. for example, in that Bhagavatam verse, just stay where you are, just add Krishna into your life, which is very much, I think, the ethos of today's is gone, you know? Yes, yes. But I think I, I caught that, you know, when you catch a wave and you're surfing, like you can catch it at the beginning or you can catch the wave like towards the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I caught the end part of that wave of the ethos of like, oh, you're interested in becoming a devotee of Krishna? Join the temple. Right, right. So so about a month in or two months in, I'm at the Sunday temp Sunday feast program and, and the temple president comes up to me and he's like, you know, well, what are you gonna do now? You know, Sarah, like 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 hello, like it's time to join, you know. And then there's this right. the program starting in New Mayapur on January first and and I was like, well, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm doing, I'm studying. He's like, yeah, but studies, that's, you know, it's Maya, it's, it's materialistic. <laughs> oh, gosh. You can always do that later, you know, and what's important now is to get, you know, a good foundation for your spiritual life. Yeah. I guess he had a good point. I mean, in retrospect, I always wonder, like, if I had stayed in, at Cornell and up there and, you know, in, in upstate New York where there's no devotee association, there was no streaming, you know, kirtans, 
would I have been covered over again and maybe wasted another 10 lifetimes or whatever before I came back to Krishna? I don't know. I'll never know. Yeah. But I had a decision to make and I was like, you know what? I, and, and to tell you honestly, I was just kind of, I was doing this year, I was at the history of art department and just wasn't into my class. All I wanted to do was just chant Hare Krishna and then, you know, like that new sort of new convert rush. I mean, we insiders would say, you know, Lord Nityananda gives you sort of a little sneak preview of the, you know, the bliss of Krishna consciousness, right? Right. You hear that? So maybe I was experiencing some of that or, or maybe suffice it to say that I was like, I was like, okay, I'll do it. Wow. And so without telling my parents, I don't even think I, I, on, on January, on December 31st, I, you know, I showed up at the temple with my suitcase and, and, and I, you know, I drove down with the temple president and another Bhakta to New Mayapur and we arrived in the, in the late afternoon or evening. And there was this rip roaring Kirtan in this, you know, this old, I'm sure you've seen castles of New Mayapur. It's a rural yeah. old sort of small castle <laughs> with parquet floors and, you know, spider webs <laughs> kind of wow. everywhere no not really but kind of back in the day and uh, and and the temple room was just like you walked in into a sauna or you know a turkish uh what is it those steam baths you know mm. with all these devotees just jumping and screaming and in ecstasy yeah in ecstasy and singing and dancing and kirtan and, and swirling in circles and and that you know that began the next phase of the bhakta program in new mayapur wow wow that's and then and then you kind of how did you end up i know you were in la for many years as well so how long were you in um new Mayapur for as the at the bhakta program about two months w one afternoon i saw there was i just saw a Mayapur journal back in the 90s there was like a monthly little journal that was printed in india i guess about Mayapur, and i was like wow Mayapur!" and i just really felt drawn to Mayapur and the GBC meetings were coming close, and the GBC for France at the time was uh, my mentor Paramgati Swami. Now they mm. call him Paramgati Prabhu, this Brazilian right. Right, right, right. sannyasi. And I almost took initiation from him anyway. Well, it doesn't matter, I believe, who you take initiation from, really. Well, that's another theological concept or discussion. But anyway, at the time, so you know, I, I asked him, Well, can I go to India with you when you go? And he's like, Yeah, I think that's a good idea. You should come with me so i don't remember how i got the money and i think my dad krishna bless him you know paid for my trip and um and so next thing i know i'm in i'm getting a ride you know i'm going to the airport and taking a flight to uh to calcutta wow. from calcutta to mayapur you know after two months of of the bhakta program in, in new mayapur hmm. and then i, I got huh yeah go ahead <laughs> well you know, if you if you don't believe in ghosts, you should. <laughs> Why is that? Because I got I strongly believe that I got possessed by a hardcore by a ghost in in Mayapur. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. You know about that? Uh, you, that's one of the things you liked about the book description. Oh right, 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 right. Yes, the but, but in more detail. Tell us about it. I, I I that's interesting. I mean, I have never had epilepsy before or after. Yeah. You know, I'm not your most stable and sober and peaceful and calm and equipoised human being, but I'm, I'm I've never had you know episodes like this ever before or after. Yeah, they say that when you f fly or you travel over seas, long distances, ghosts 
don't bother you anymore. They, they, they don't, they don't follow you, follow you across large like ocean, bodies yeah. of water. The reason I say is because we went on the Parikrama and, you know, I was just like, wow, Mayapur, you know, all these devotees and these huge deities of Radhamadava and just like, wow, you know, Mayapur, Mayapur. And we went on this Parikrama and my mom came. My mom came. Your mom came? Yeah, my mom came to my appointment. So talk about, you know, first impressions, man. <laughs> so she came the day before the parikrama starts, you know, and so I'm walking with her across the campus with her. I'm in, you know, my white korta and my white dhoti and, you know, like <laughs> my shika. And she's trying to, you know, appreciate what I'm doing. And and um, and so like the next day I'm going to parikrama. So she would stay back at the at the temple, at the guest house. And so I think the first or second day of the parikrama, I, I got possessed by a ghost. This, this entity literally like possessed me. And and like and and when we got close to the kirtan, it would like literally strangle me. I would like, I would foam at the mouth. I mean, it was just crazy. I was just like, oh I couldn't even breathe. I would fall. And so like I fell back on the you know. And then Madhavendra Puri, who was this nice devotee from France, who had assisted me at the beginning, came back. He's like, what's going on? So they called the ambulance, and I was taken back to the to, to Mayapur and they bring me to this room and my mom's like, what have you done to my son? You know, like, because oh I'm like, I mean, to give you a description of what it was like, because then, you know, my mom was like, you know, we're, you know, we're, she immediately called a taxi and we went to a, to a hospital in Calcutta. Yeah. And I remember this, this taxi ride, I was like on my mom's lap, you know, with a, with a white, with a white, um, towel under me because i was like literally like foaming and like saliva was oozing out and and i remember she was chanting the whole way Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. oh my goodness <laughs> and then i felt like wow this is cool like you know it's kind of cool like she's chanting you know great you know <laughs> i swear this was like beyond, it's not like i was making this up to get some i swear it was just like and and to give you an example of what it was like 15 years later i'm in i'm in mauritius okay mauritius island yeah. I'm having lunch with Arjuna Prabhu, one of the early Prabhupada disciples from Mauritius, a Caucasian uh, from France, originally sort of aristocrat family, one of the first disciples of Prabhupada in Mauritius. I'm having lunch with him and his family. And he he's, he's into like doing uh, ghost busting and, you know, um, exorcism, exorcisms. And that's kind of his hobby. So right. as we're talking, he's like, yeah, I remember about like 15 years ago, I was in Mayapur. And they told me, Arjuna Prabhu, Arjuna Prabhu, you got to go to Calcutta in the hospital. No. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> so I didn't say anything. I was like, really? Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah. So, I mean, I've never seen this in my life. So I went to this Calcutta hospital and I walked inside the room and, and there was this young Bhakta, this skinny young man on the bed. And he was just like, literally like, like just jumping like horizontally off up and up and down the bed his neck was bent backward his eyes were rolled up and the doctor with his you know white doctor uniform and his pen and his notebook was in the corner of the room like frozen with his mouth down you know in shock oh and i was like wow <laughs> really huh and he's like yeah and then i started chanting these nishinga mantras to him and then when I did that, like this deep, horrible voice came out of this kid's mouth and started laughing at me. And I was like, well, you know what, Arjuna Prabhu? That was me. And he was like, no, are you serious? I was like, yeah, that was me. He's like, I can't believe it. I've never seen this before. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I almost died. I remember at one point he choked me so bad, that, that entity or whatever, that I literally, like, I started fainting. And then I don't know, so somehow I just thought of this, of the deities in Mayapur. 
Radha Madhava. And I was like, okay, I'm dying now. And just as I was like about to die, you know, I was able to breathe again. So then my mom was like, you know, send me back to France. Um, she flew back to LA. Maybe she went to France also, but then she, her home is in LA. So she flew back to LA and I was kind of in the care of my dad there. And, and, and but every time I went to the temple, this, these fits would happen and they didn't want me anywhere. So they, you know, they sent me to New, I went to New Mayapur. And then by the time I got to New Mayapur, they were like, sorry, you can't stay here because, you know, we heard what would happen to you. So, so then my dad was like back in Paris, like, you know what, like I've had enough. I'm sending you to your mom, let her deal with you. So he bought me a one-way ticket and then I landed back in LA ready for, you know, more of these ghost uh, uh, possessions. How old were you at that time? 20. Wow. 20 years old. So then you went to LA. Yeah, I went to LA. So I'm back home, you know, at our house in West Hollywood. And, um, and, and so my mom's like, you know, well, why don't you, you know, get a job? My, my ex-husband can arrange for you to get a job. And so my, my ex-stepdad was like this big, big um, guy who had this huge company and like heavy equipment, like tractors and stuff. So yeah. next thing I know, I'm in some junkyard in like Pomona or something, you know, with, with other gentlemen who are you know, kind of real worker type and, you know, with their hard hats and eating their tacos and cussing to each other and laughing with their beers. And I'm supposed to, you know, I'm carrying kerosene tanks from one side to the other. And I came home, I was like, mom, I'm sorry, this, I can't do this. I can't do this. So she was like, well, you know what? And I'm dropping you at the temple. And so then she, you know, pack your bags. So, so my mom drives me to Watsika <laughs> Avenue, LA, and, you know, plops down my suitcases and here I am, you know, with my two suitcases in front of the temple. But funny enough, none of these episodes ever happened again. Ah. And I heard later on that, you know, according to whatever experts in the field of ghosts, ghosts will follow you across land. So, you know, from India all the way to France is, is you know, Pakistan, whatever, all that land mass. Yeah. But when you go from Paris to L.A., you're flying over a lot of water. And I don't know, whatever it is, it's just, I never had, it never, you know, that thing left me forever. It's been 28 years and, you know, not. And you've been back to my board many, many times since yeah, then. Yeah, and I heard that, you know, a lot of people there talk about like these powerful Brahmins, you know, Brahma Rakshasas. You've heard of that term, right? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. What's a Brahman Rak Brahma Rakshasa? It's, it's, a, it's a Brahmana who is, I guess he was sinful or something and he died in a weird way and became a ghost and they have chicken feet somehow. Like they, that's what they <laughs> look like. Anyway, that's what that's what people say. Huh. Anyway, this is a <laughs> interesting conversation about that. But um, okay, so you went to back to my board and nothing ever happened. But I'd be freaked out to go back to, and and like kind of experience that again. If yeah, I right. No, just it was a one-time thing and whatever. So then you, so then you were in LA, and did the devotees, the devotees like welcome you? Like, okay, who's this guy just showing up? Yeah, yeah, he was, you know, yeah, you know. Yeah, and then kitchen and, you know, cutting vegetables. And and then when the devotees from Traveling Sankirtan passed through selling books on Traveling Sankirtan, as we call it, right? Yeah. At the Beastie Boys show, they were following the Beastie Boys. Like, like yeah, the box cereal, go out with them. And somehow I just distributed a lot of books. Wow. And then Suvaz, the temple president, was like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so he's like, you're off kitchen duty and you're a book distributor now. I'm like, okay. Wow. So I was shipped. I was sent kind of like, you know, like brahmacharis are, are kind of like dealt with like basketball players. You know, they're like yes, traded, traded. trades and stuff. <laughs> so, 
So I was I, I was traded for, for a three month contract with uh, Yagya Purusha and his traveling Sankirtan program wow. on the college campuses on the East Coast. So right. now I'm in the traveling Sankirtan van with two other devotees, you know, wearing copens and and drinking hot milk at night and 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 approaching students, you know, pretending to be a student and you know right. without the security, you know, officers looking at us, you know, selling them Prabhupada's books and getting caught and then having to go to another college campus. And God, I remember once I had, I got, we got caught, you know, I got caught and I had a, you know, a warning from that university, like you should, you can never come back. So we went to the next university. And then as I'm passing, you know, talking to some guy or some girl on campus, another security comes and, you know, and, and stops me and says, what are you doing here? And he's like, show me your ID. So as I pull out my ID, like the, the warning sign from the other university, like flies out right almost like right into his hands and he's like what you've been so you know oh, i have a lot man. of stories of, of getting nipped at concerts and at college campuses those are those are fun well, what do you think about those like how long did you distribute books full-time for till i kind of started getting because that was just a little introduction and during the summers we do you know concert tours but the rest of the year was a slug slug fest at lax man and that was tough that yeah was you know tough. i I, I distributed books at, you know, with Yagi Purush Prabhu's ashram in New York and in, um, when I was in the ashram for a few years. And, uh, and it's kind of scarred me, to be honest. Like, I can imagine what you did. How, how, you know, how we, did it scar you? It was just, it was just like, I was, it, it was kind of like peer pressure to go out and do it. And, and, and if I got a little success, then it was like, okay, maybe I could do this. But it was like, in New York, New York is like a very difficult place to distribute books. And like, especially asking a donation for the books. Yes, even yes. More hard. Yeah. So it was like it was like day in and day out doing like a, the marathon, like the the Christmas marathon and a summer mm. marathon. And it was just um, it wasn't me. Like I didn't feel like it was me. Although I got a lot of reciprocation, I feel from Krishna and from Prabhupada and all the devotees. Like I remember Charu Chandra, who you know very well, who who you distributed books with. He like came and gave us like a the first day of the marathon. He gave Bhagavatam class and he gave like this really enthusiastic like you know go 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 let's do this you know. And he I has was the like, record uh, by the way for he has a record. I mean, I think we should start having different categories because you know free book distribution is personally I think it's the future in right. large scale, especially since, since they're free already online and right, right. books go public domain in 30 years or, but in terms of like category of like distributing books by getting a donation for every one of those books, Charu Chandra, Yogi Charu yeah. has the, the, the North American record ever for the most books distributed in one day, which I think is like a thousand three hundred or something. <laughs> what? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway, he gave us like really like pep, amazing pep talk. And then we were all like ready to go. But I think, I, I don't know. I just, that's how I got, I went scarred is like a very strong word, but anyways, it was, it was, how, it was it distasteful. Was, it was distasteful. Yeah. Um, but how did you deal with like day in and day out doing it for years and years and years? Like, tell us a little bit about, how you got through that? I got through it by 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 a good sadhana. I mean, when we chanted our rounds, man, because you know we knew. See, the one thing is to approach someone. Hey, would you like a copy of this book? It's about my religion. Right. No thanks. All right. You know that's already kind of demeaning enough, but you don't lose anything. You, but when you're asking, like, hey, can you give a donation? Yeah. It brings it to a whole other level of of setting yourself up for a lot of humiliation and a lot of rejection. And it's just mm. really hard, you know? Yeah. 
so so those that was the ethos in those days you know you ask for donations for the books and stuff and fortunately we did give out free books to people who you know couldn't give a donation so you know to leave someone like i'll always remember I'll, i i feel so guilty about this we we're one of these on these on this you know Lollapalooza or warp tour or bc yeah. boy show and on these huge parking lots right and you approach each car as they're parking they're, they're coming in you know everyone knows ram roy right so his so so you've got a line of I mean I actually showed you a picture of like Kostuba, me, Yagya, uh, Gornitai, uh, Donna Kelly from Dallas, and we're all like literally waiting for the next car to come. So the next car pulls up, and you go up to the window. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We're the monks traveling with the show, and here are the books we're showing to everybody. And then the next wow. car pulls out. Next devotee goes to that window, you know. <laughs> and and so I remember what uh, Ram Roy. His line is like, "Here, take one of these." We're tearing down this Walmart civilization. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Take one of these. We're tearing down this Walmart civilization. That was his line. Every car, every person. Wow. Right. But I remember, so we'd get really far away. And then, you know, you run out of books. You're carrying them in these like paper bag, like supermarket bags, you know, 20 or 30. But then yeah. you run out of them. So you got to run. You got to get back to your van, which is maybe parked like, you know, a mile down. Right. So I remember I got a ride with one car that was being directed back towards, you know, where our van was parked. And, and so there were like these rowdy guys, hey, what are you, what are you selling? And they were giving me a ride, you know, and saving me like a half hour. And, and so I remember they had these two hardband books and the BBT cost was $2.50 and we were supposed to get double BBT price. And, right. and he was like, I'll give you five bucks for both of them. <clears throat> and I should have said, of course, he said, yeah. I was like, no. And to this day, so I, you know, the, the driver gave me a free ride, did service for the Sankirtan mission. And I was such a nitwick that I left, you know, the guy who showed interest, nothing in terms of knowledge about Krishna, you know, because he right. wasn't giving double BBT. So mm. back to LAX, sadhana, like we chanted really good rounds and, and then there was this one verse that I just kept chanting, and it was just actually the theme of, of the my memoir. And so it's it's a verse that Prabhupada says one should be the should be the motto of every devotee. He mentions that in the nectar of devotion. You, you know that first that that verse Tatenu Kampam which translates that, my dear Lord, one who earnestly waits for you to bestow your causeless mercy upon him, all the while patiently suffering the reactions to his past misdeeds and offering you respectful obeisances with his hard body and words inherits the kingdom of God because it has become his rightful claim. Mm. So I'd, I'd recite that verse all day long, as well as the, as the Upadrashtang Mantacha verse from the 13th chapter, where, you know, you're meditating on the Paramatma, on the super soul inside the body of the person you're talking to. Right. And he's the sanctioner. And so you're right. begging him, please let this soul take a book, like allow this soul, nudge this soul to take <laughs> a book from me. Wow. <laughs> so you know, from person to person, you know, we just take shelter of, uh, but it was like, it was like a real chutney. It was like a real chutney, Prabhu. Mm. It was like you said, you know, you felt reciprocation, right? Yeah, for sure. So like, I remember one December marathon, we had been at the airport from like 9 a.m. It was like 10 p.m. on like December 23rd or something. And my knees were killing me. But I remember I was just going from one person to the other, like a, like a bee or like a fly. And I, I really felt like completely detached from whether or not the person's going to take a book. I wow. could care less. But at the same time, I had this enthusiasm and care and affection for the person. So it was this wonderful combination of 
affection or compassion and total detachment about what what they do with their life, you know? Yeah. And I remember I stopped at one point. I was like, wow, now I'm going to go back to the ashram and go to sleep, fall in a mode of ignorance. Tomorrow morning is just going to be a whole other ordeal to get out of bed. If I could like have a, if I could stay in this consciousness right now, as I have it right now yeah, and continue doing this service, like for eternity in this consciousness, because, you know, if you're attached and you're trying to get money from fruited, people, if you have a fruited like, mentality, you're going to, you're going to suffer, suffer. And I was like, I wish I could do this forever, you know, but it was also really tough, but there was also, you know, highlights were like, I gave a book to Johnny Depp, to Brad really? Pitt. Brad wow. Pitt had just filmed uh, 11 years in Tibet. So he was walking by with his girlfriend to drop her off at the gate. So I was like, here, would you like one? He's like, no, no, thanks. And then like a half hour, he walks back having dropped her off. And I was like, come on, take one. And he's like, in my next life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Johnny Depp, he was like in a real rush. And I put the book in his hand and I was like, wait. And he's like, turns, he turns around. I was like, well, we asked for a donation for it. And then he looked at me like, you know, you cheated me. And I was like, I'm a monk. So, you know, monks asking for donations, that's legit. I mean, that's even justified in the Bhagavatam, like a brahmachari asks alms, you know. So I was like, I'm a monk. And he's like, oh, oh, you're a monk. Oh, okay, sure. So he pulled out his wallet, gave me a 20. He's like, thanks. And he walked off. Wow. One of my favorite stories with was with um, Snoop Doggy Dog. Should wow. I tell you how Snoop Doggy Dog got a book? Yes, yes, please. <laughs> Actually, uh, before Snoop Doggy Dog, you know, Will Smith, I have to, I have to take credit here because... Well, because I'm a conditioned soul. <laughs> I was the first person to introduce Will Smith to a Bhagavad Gita. Really? This was like 1998. And he's walking by and I show him the Gita. Maybe he held it in his hand. And he was like, at that time, he was like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? And he's like, <laughs> kind of like the, you know, the valley kind of like, you got to be kidding me. So he's like, no. And he walked off. <laughs> <laughs> now look at him you're his totally and Janavi and, and his daughter and right right um tell us a little bit about like now i i remember you were saying just earlier now you were saying you you, you feel like you they should give it out for free yeah instead so. of instead of charging for them well yeah um do you want to hear about uh snoop Oh, yeah, yeah, Snoop Dogg, yeah, before that. You know, you guys are New Yorkers. I mean, you're broadcasting everywhere, but... Yeah. Anyway, Snoop Dogg, like, I'm, I'm looking at the TV screen at a bar while, you know, I'm just waiting for people to walk by, and there's actually a video of Snoop Doggy Dogg, and I didn't know Snoop Doggy Dogg. At that time, I was kind of, I guess, not watching too many music videos. Right. And then and then the next thing I know is Snoop Doggy Dog physically like walks out of gate number two with his group of friends, you know, all really slick, dressed, um, African-American guys and all really tall. And um, and I was like, you know, I look at the screen. I was like, whoa. So I, 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 I walked right in the middle of them. And I did that with Chuck Norris once, actually, too. I sold him a Gita. And then one of his bodyguards afterwards was like, how did you get by? How did you get through us? So, uh, and Cheru Chandra, he sold a Gita to, to Mike Tyson. Wow. Um, anyway, so I, so I go, I was like, excuse me. And he's really tall, Snoop. So I was yeah. like, excuse me, are, are you a musician? No, are you a fa famous musician? He's like, yeah. <laughs> 
And all his friends are like, what the hell? And I was like, so I did the same line. Well, here, this is an ancient book from ancient wisdom uh, from ancient India. And that shows you how the body, you know, the soul goes from one body to the other. And this is a guy doing yoga. And that shows how, you know, the soul is in everybody's and in, in, it's present in all forms of life. And that's a guy doing, you know, yoga in the Himalayas. Don't try that at home. And that's Sanskrit. That's ancient Sanskrit. And, um, and he's like, that's dope. How much you want for it? Wow. <laughs> that was his line. That's dope. How much you want for it? And by that time, his friends are like, come on, man, let's go. And I was like, well, you know, I'm a monk and we just asked for a donation. And he's like, I don't, hey, Matt, or whatever his friend is, his name was, like, give him a donation. So, so his friend like pulls out and gives me like a dollar for a Howard Bound Gita. And so he gives me the dollar. And I was like, and then Snoopy's like, he's starting to get pushed by them. And he's like, is, is that enough? I was like, well, generally, you know, it's a hardbound book. We usually, and then his friend cuts me, cuts us off. And he goes, hey, Snoop, he said donation. Donation means anything you want. I, so come on, let's go. <laughs> so they push him away. And as he's walking away, he's like, donation? I don't know what, it, with his Bhagavad Gita in his hand, he's like, donation? I don't know what a donation is. I never went to school. <laughs> 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 you know what's funny, Namras? How, I mean, we can't prove it, but, you know, Prabhupada does say how these books have an effect, even if one comes and it touches them, right? Yes. He's yes. one line. A few years later, the dude became Snoop Lion, a Snoop Lion. Remember, he went through his Rasta yes. phase and yes. he was claiming that he was the incarnation of Bob Marley, right? Right. Probably smoked one too many joints and couldn't remember that he was born after, Bo before Bob Marley <laughs> died, but... <laughs> Aside from this technical uh, yeah, issue, technical point, yeah, he talked about reincarnation and stuff, you know. Wow! So free books, free books. <sighs> A few years ago, I was at you at, at, here at University of Florida Gainesville campus, and there was this nice Mormon guy who was kind of like me, French and American, and he was doing his two-year mission, and he was passing out these hardbound books of Mormon, right? Yeah. And I said to him, I said, listen, what if, you know, they, the church, the mother church in Utah sends you to some place where there's just a lot of really nice people, really favorable people. And what if just like every day you're just like passing out tons of books of Mormon? Is there a point where, you know, Salt Lake City tells you, hey, you know, sorry, but we can't send you any more books? Yeah. And he's like, he, with a big, you know, kind of healthy proud smile he said nope i can distribute as many as i want wow so you know there's this on the one side there's this i this idea which is justified that you know when people give a donation they get benefit they'll appreciate they value they it God, they get value they value it right but funny the same devotees who often say that are the first to tell stories about how they met somebody who was drunk at some party and picked up a science of self-realization from the bookshelf or was walking in the street sometime and, you know, found a Bhagavad Gita on the floor or yes. went to the grandmother's home, right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have to, like, we kind of have to weigh on the one side, okay, the benefit they get. But it's also not, a, you know, and on the other side, the kind of PR that devotees can get and the kind of appreciation, genuine appreciation that they get credit for philosophically yeah. for having a really wonderful interaction with a devotee who from beginning to end doesn't want anything from them and who is so charitable that he gives them, you know, a book about God that they expressed interest in in the first place. How would right. they not appreciate it? I remember at LAX, Prabhu, every day, Juan, the janitor, 
would come to us at 420 because he knew we were leaving at 425. Yeah. With a stack of three to 10 or 15 Bhagavad Gita's or science of self-realizations, which we had sold. And mind you, we had been trained to sell them in a, in a respectful way, you know, not like some devotees did in the 80s and late 70s of being really aggressive, you know. Right. And still having, you know, every day that janitor would come back and sell us back for 50 cents a piece. I think it was a dollar for a Gita and 50 cents for a smaller oh book. Because they put books in the garbage. People, exactly. People, <gasps> books Whoa. that people had put in the garbage. Never hear that. I never hear that. So wow. the idea that, oh, if you give a donation, they'll definitely appreciate. That's nonsense. On the other hand, also the idea that if they don't give a donation, they'll never appreciate it is absolutely false. And right. we've seen it. Right. And on top of that, you add, you know, what I just mentioned briefly before, like the Prabhupada's books are already free. They're online. They're free. They're already available for free. His books go, you know, his whole, the, 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 the copyrights to his books go public domain in, in, in like, I think it's 70 years after the demise of the author. Like anyone can print, can print Shakespeare if they want to. Right. Anyone will be able to print Prabhupada's books. And um, so, yeah, I, my view, it's my humble opinion you know, for brahmacharis, it's fine. But for householders, give the books out. Let's let's develop these huge sponsorship programs where kind of yeah. like Vaisheshika is already doing, right? With the Gita Motel, you know, but not just leaving them in hotel rooms, but actually giving them out to people. Like when I was with Krishna Kripa at, at Florida State recently, and we had these sponsored books and we'd give out these books to people and we left such a nice impression on them, you know? Yeah. What's your, I, I, I noticed you, you said PR earlier, just, just now you said it. What, what is your impression or what is your kind of idea that I don't feel, uh, devotees say, I don't feel I can give up Prabhupada's book, like Bhagavad Gita as it is, like as the first book, mm. because, you know, there might be something questionable he might have said or written or something. And, and you being a book distributor, an out person who's very much into outreach and connecting people with Krishna, but also being very uh, sensitive about PR and how things are viewed and things. What is your outlook on that? It's mixed. On the one hand, I feel like, yeah, you know, Prabhupada's language is difficult to understand. Like when I got my first book, you know, Message of Godhead, I didn't understand anything. Yeah. And I was 20 years old, right? Um. On the other hand, I think something has to be said about the unique power, potency, effect yeah. of Prabhupada's books. So perhaps give him two, two books for free. Give him, you know, a classic, the 1972 Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> right. <laughs> Macmillan 72. Macmillan 72. Uh, and give him like, you know, I don't know, Redine and Marge's you know, Bhagavad Gita study guide or a book by or like he, or, he wrote a novel recently, right? Or Something. a novel or, right. you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, I see. But I don't know. I, I, I don't think I could like stop giving out Prabhupada's books to people because, you know, he may have said or he did say something that, you know, women are, women are like their children or, you know, whatever, you know, the, right. the, the difficult comments. There's sure. not that many in the Gita, actually. I mean, it's very like Krishna's God surrendered to Krishna. People don't like that. What can you do? Like, yeah. 
yeah, I think we can lean to the other extreme and like, oh no, we should like, you know, I mean, not that the bodies would do that, but we, you know, the, the tendency to perhaps like overhide Prabhupada in fear that, you know, perhaps, you know, they, yes. so I don't know if you feel more comfortable. The point is to give knowledge of Krishna to people, right? Whether it's through a podcast like you're doing or through the, or through a book of your favorite devotee or through a, a YouTube channel or whatever, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's that's a struggle sometimes devotees go for. It's like making that balance between staying true to our line and to our and to Prabhupada's instructions, but also making it palatable for new people. Yeah. There's a balance that needs to be had there. Yeah. I think and then it goes yeah, please. Then it goes into the discussion of, you know, how, how you know, like um I know you're a member of Krishna West. So, so how to, that I think is that, uh, how to make it even more palatable to some, some people who cannot be on board with the cultural part of Krishna consciousness, right? Is that the, uh, yeah. Or let's say the, now we're getting into because, because is the cultural aspect of Krishna consciousness necessarily Indian clothes and Indian recipes. And right. so, you know, when we say the cultural aspect of Krishna consciousness, what do we mean by that? Right. Yeah. From your perspective, tell us, tell us what do you, what, if you said that, what would you mean by that? The culture? I think it's the, the culture of Krishna consciousness is, is cultural productions, whether they be clothes or music or art in the mode of goodness, preferably, I guess, although I guess everything can be engaged in Krishna service, engage in Krishna service. Right. I remember Raghunath, we had a discussion. He's like, for me, devotional clothes is whatever clothes you use to serve Krishna with. That's devotional clothes. I, mm. I love that definition. <laughs> I like that too. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think, yeah, culture engaged in this, or, you know, put the one, I love the, the analogy of, of like the ones, you know, like you go to India and you see so many, you know, very, very, very sattvic, very commendable, very uh, noble Brahmins, for example, you know? Yeah. Who have maybe never eaten meat in their life and and have never had you know extramarital relationships and do not they don't watch pornography or they I mean you name it have never smoked a cigarette you know yeah and they have no devotion to Vishnu or Krishna whatsoever they're maybe like hardcore Advaita Vedantas in Mayavadis to the core you know so 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 many zeros but without the one of Krishna right so. You, mm. you put the one, Prabhupada says, right, the one of Krishna in front of the zero becomes 10, 100, 1,000. So it's like I, I, I had a discussion with Kostuba once about this, and, I, and he liked this analogy. So I'll, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll tell you briefly. I, I, I use the analogy of a, of, a, of, a, of a touchdown in football, in professional football. So, you know, you can have like a game-winning, like last-second Right as as the as the clock is winding out in the fourth or in the second half, and you're you know down by whatever five, and then you know the wide receiver with one hand you know while smiling to the camera catches the ball and lands with his two feet like a centimeter before the you know the line and yeah. and and they win and everything that's a touchdown yeah but then you know you have other touchdowns where there's like this ugly fumble and whatever a tight end just like catches the ball and he falls and the ball keeps fumbling and finally some guy just kind of lands on it and and flops into the into the end zone the results the same it's six points 
Right. The goal is to become Krishna conscious. The goal is not, you know, what's the external cultural elements you're using to get the end. The goal is, right. you know. So I like that analogy. Wow. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that it's not about the means and I guess the means is not the word, but the but the f uh, the form. I think the form, yeah. I mean, Bhakti, to quote Bhaktisiddhanta, right? He was talking about language, mind you. And he said, language is like a dress. So what to speak of dress or what to speak of, you know, the kind of recipes you use to offer with Bhakti to, to Krishna. Yeah. And I like I like you quote that verse, Tanestita, a lot. Oh man, that's the found. I believe that's the foundation of Krishna. Of Tell Krishna us a little West. bit more. Why do you why do you quote that, and what's the meaning of that? Okay, so there's this verse. I remember Sachin Nandan Swami. He was he gave a talk. He gave a class on that at, at the Serbian Kirtan Festival three or four summers ago, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, I was so <laughs> happy. Um, okay, the verse goes like this: Gyane praya, forget the Sanskrit. Gyane praya samutapasyanamanta eva jivanti sanmukaritam bhavadiya varta. And then the third line is the key one: Stanestitaha. And then I forget the fourth line. And it's it's Lord Brahma in the 10th canto saying that, look, while remaining in your established social situation. So now we're, you know, we're going away from the, when did you join? Like joining, like Krishna consciousness means you got to join. You got to you know change your ashrams, change your varna, change your career. Clothes, change your haircut. Change your haircut, change your clothes. <laughs> now it's like, while remaining in your established social situation. And that can be unpacked. I mean, that implies the way you dress and the way people dress around you. That implies kind of, I mean, it's not that, you know, we live in a monolithic, we do live in a multicultural world. And, and that's kind of like the point that I think Venkata Prabhu was trying to get at when he was talking about, you know, what does it mean to be an American? What does it mean to be a Westerner? But I think we can go too much to the other extreme and relativize so much that there's really nothing to stand on you know mm. i mean westerner mm. just means someone who lives in the west like geographically i mean just that itself that's not going to change because the west is always going to be the west just in terms of directions you know so i think one extreme is to relativize everything where you can't even define a, a word like western and another extreme is to be like to think like you know it's only whatever like white protestant you know button down whatever you know a specific conception so sure we got to kind of have the middle path in between so while remaining one social situation one who simply uh gives oral submissive oral reception to the messages of your lordship he or she can conquer you who is otherwise unconquerable wow so the idea is like, and like how I many Prabhupada so many times said, just, you know, if you're, if you're an architect, remain an architect. If you're a taxi driver, remain a taxi driver. I mean, if, I don't know if you use the word architect and taxi driver, but, you know, Arjuna was a warrior. He remained a warrior, but he just changed. He just added Krishna. Krishna, right? Yeah. So I think that's what the whole idea of, of spreading Krishna consciousness according to time, place, and circumstance means to take into consideration you know, the local sensibilities in terms of culture, in terms of dress, in terms of food, and um, and presenting the message of Krishna consciousness in those clothes, quote-unquote. Mm. And that's justified by that verse, by the Stanistitaha verse, which is monumental, you know, to give a sort of a philosophical or a theological justification to the concept. I, I think it would be more effective, too, because you're kind of just meeting people where they are instead of asking them to... Kind of meet you where you 
or us where we are. Like, just add to this to your life, right? To, to improve like, your if life. If you happen to be a butcher, if you happen to be a butcher, <laughs> perhaps we could humbly suggest considering <laughs> to you know find another job, right? Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, but most people can just add Krishna to their life and benefit in some way. They don't have to, you know, full on, you know, come become a initiated devotee shaved up in the temple. Of, of That's course, a great really question. Nice. Also the issue of initiation, you know, like there's, I mean, this is really interesting theology that there's some, you know, like for example, Lord Chaitanya, there's two, this is a really interesting, this is a paradox. There's two, um, Two stories found in Chaitanya Bhagavat and in Chaitanya Charitamrita about his initiation. What, what did Lord Chaitanya receive when he got initiated? One version says that he received the, the Krishna mantra, like not the Maha Mantra, like more of a sort of a Gayatri type initiation that we would get sort of in second initiation in this con. Right. Implying that he never got the, the Maha Mantra, which is the name of Krishna, which Kavi Raj Goswami says does not depend on initiation. Rupa Goswami says the, the, the holy name does not depend on initiation. It's powerful statements. Wow. And then another says that, you know, he got the Maha Mantra. So it's kind of like forever there'll be this sort of like ambiguity about, about the initiation, the, the, the story. I mean, the, you know, the authorized hagiographies of that specific event of, of Mahaprabhu getting initiated. Oh, wow. But yeah, like living in a temple and then as opposed to like staying at home. And mm -hmm. I agree with you completely. And when did you accept Christ? And like, I accepted Christ into my life. Like, maybe I think it's just going to happen. Devotees are eventually going to say, yeah, I accepted Krishna. Or I was born in a Krishna family, but, you know, when I was whatever, 17, I really accepted Krishna yes. in my life. I, I went yeah. to school the next day, you know, <laughs> and I wore the same clothes the next day, but I had some sort of experience and I, ex you know what I mean? Yes, yes. I, I find those, the the, the way you and, and other devotees have kind of like had that very black and white kind of joining of Krishna consciousness to be more powerful of a conviction than someone who, who kind of like, okay, grew up with it, but then still like can go back to their old life of just being a, a kind of like a, a devotee kid, but not exactly uh, that conviction is not exactly there because it's such a gray area. Anyway, mm. just a side point. But, no, that's really um, interesting. Yeah. I, and I do feel that people who do grow up in Christian consciousness, they also have to join in a sort of way. Like they have to they have to choose when, okay, like I'm going to leave my other whatever life or bad habits I may have behind. Mm. And I want to be more be more committed to this process and have to make that choice the same way someone who converts to convert or or accepts the Krishna consciousness. Yeah. Um, so, so, so then you back to your back to your you know your your, your journey. How long did you book, distribute books for in LA, and how long did you stay there in LA? Well, till about 1999, till Bhakti Charu Swami started making that movie television series on Prabhupada's life. Right, that's where uh -huh. we met. I think that's when we met. Oh yeah, where in New York, New Jersey? They New they, Jersey. they they filmed a lot in New Jersey. They filmed at my house. They filmed that at, at uh, Shami Krishi Prabhu's house, yeah, you know, right. that huge house where everyone was staying. And, and uh, yeah, that was a great time. In high school, I'd, I was a drama major. So I'd been in every school production right. since ninth grade. And so all of a sudden I was like, you know, I'm getting tired. Like, excuse me, are you flying in or coming out? Excuse me, are you flying in or are you coming out? Excuse me, are you flying in or you're flying out? Oh, well, we're showing this all night. 
And like, you know, either like, because depending on how many seconds the person gives you, you could go that far into your mantra. Right, right. But most of them like will just give you like half a second. So it's really just like, excuse me, are you, excuse me, are you flying in or coming out? You know, so right. doing that like all day for like five years, I was just like, uh, <laughs> and then I guess Krishna made an arrangement. Bhakti Charam Swami needed some actors. I was like, hey, I'm a, I can act, you know, sort of. Right. So I was traded. <laughs> and I, I asked Maharaj if I could, uh, uh, and I think by that time I had taken initiation from him. I had gone to Mayapur. My mom had come again. And, um, and all this time, my dad's kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, he trusted me the whole time. And he was kind enough to give me some money, which enabled me to, you know, to travel with Bhakti Charu Swami without Maharaj having to pay for, for me. Right. So I guess that goes to my dad's benefit. And uh, so, yeah, so then, so I was like, I can act. And so it was, I guess behind, you know, behind the, the curtain, Svavas, the temple president of, of ISKCON LA and Bhakti Charu Swami discussed. And so I got, you know, I was allowed to, to travel. So all of a sudden I'm from like this super regulated, I mean, regulated Prabhu to like, you know, I mean, going to sleep at like 8.32 instead of 8.30 PM was just like, something's you know, wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. And all of a sudden I'm like in San Jose, and we're, you know, in the, on this film sets and these, 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 you know, no sadhana and eating, you know, bread from the supermarket, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, you know, shooting till 10 p.m. And, yeah. and, and, Bhakti, and it was just like, whoa, a whole different. And then one day I was reading Ravindra Srupabhu's offering to Prabhupada, his Vyasa Puja offering, in which he quotes Prabhupada saying that, you know, the spirit, while the spiritual master is alive, one should serve him um, physically. Yeah, and I was like, okay, well, hey, why don't I ask Maharaj if I can do that? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I never went back to LA, and I just continued at his as his personal assistant for wow. two, three, four, yeah, two more years. Amazing. I, we can do a whole podcast on that. I mean, that yeah, from experiences getting, you might have had, realizations you might have. Had. I mean, it's it's. I feel I feel his the loss of his. You know. Vapu here very much in yeah, my life. Your parents were initiated by him, right? Yes, so. yes. And he was so close to us. I mean, it's really it was sad to lose his association. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but how do you how do you feel like how you pro how did you process like his loss? It was very unpleasant, you know. Was, I processed it. It was just kind of like a very. Uh, I understand now why like the acharyas never speak about Krishna's disappearance. Right. It just occurred to me now, actually, because, you know, mm. you just, you don't like that, that, and also it's, I mean, I guess you know, Krishna's in control and, but you know, the sort of unfortunate condition we could say, I mean, who knows if what was going on in his consciousness, but to pass away in a hospital, you know, this COVID and the whole, sure, sure, sure. it was just very, um, and then we were talking about some issues and personal thing. And he had told me, come to the land, let's talk about it personally. And then, you know, yeah. goodness, so it's kind of like it, it was left un, uh, unresolved. Right. Right. Okay. And we don't have to get into <laughs> that, cool. but let's, let's talk a little bit about your like more recent projects and things that you're working on. Okay. So where are you now and what are you doing? Nothing. Uh, I'm in. I'm at the Krishna House. Uh, no, at the, right now I'm in. Um, you know, Brahmatirtha has this is in charge of the Bhaktivedanta Institute, the North American branch of the scientific branch of Krishna consciousness, right? Right. And Ridhananda March bought a a house here 
in Gainesville. So I'm staying at this house right now, which serves as a Bhaktivedanta Institute slash uh, Krishna West house. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went back to college. So that took a, a long, like after years of, of you know, being with Mar traveling with Bhakti Charuswami, I, you know, all this time, I, I felt like I have this sort of a little bit of an intellectual inkling. And I, yeah. I do believe that if devotees, you know, have some sort of higher education, it can be used in, you know, in, in, in Krishna service and the mission of Lord Chaitanya. So I went back to, to UC Santa Barbara. Um, I went to UC Santa Barbara and then got admitted to, to Oxford and I went there, but my, unfortunately, my mom passed away, so she never got to see that, you know, which is kind of a bittersweet, no more bitter than sweet, because she had, I remember she had told me, like, you can do whatever you want with your life, but just, you know, at least get a college degree, because, you know, I'm an immigrant from Croatia, and I would only dream of going to college, and and so, it was, you know, sometimes things are kind of tragic in the material world, yeah. right? I mean, Krishna says so. Yes. It, was just, it was just bad timing that she passed away before I I finally made up my mind that you know what, like, no, I wanna, I wanna get a, a theology degree for Krishna so I can, you know, represent Krishna in a perhaps more uh, sophisticated, learned way, you know, to a to a more learned audience if it happens to be in front of me, you know. So, so I went, I, I, yeah. So I went, I did a, I did an Oxford degree. Then I tried, I, I got actually started a PhD program, and I was part of that statistics. Of about like 90% don't finish their PhD. So after a few years, I, I'll spare you the details, but I, I stopped the PhD program and kind of fell back on my master's degree from, from Oxford. And while I was at Oxford, I remember I had this Christian professor, this really nice Anglican priest, the Reverend Andrew Lindsay, who's the head of the, of the Oxford Center for Animal Ethics. He's like one of the spearheading authorities in the Christian world for Christian vegetarianism. Wow, interesting. Anglican, born and raised in Oxford, PhD from Oxford, Anglican priest, ordained family man, and scholar, like writer of 20 books. And it's all about how, you know, trying to basically, trying to squeeze an animal friendly, you know, justification from Bible verses, which is with all due respect, a difficult job because there's a lot of verses that, don't you know uh, are not conducive to that end sure but suffice it to say we met once a week that's the thing you do like you go see your professor over there once a week he gives you a list of books you're supposed to read for the week and then you meet the next week and yeah so i went to his house every week and there was you know a little fireplace and he was smoking his pipe and with his you know red glass of white i mean red wine and and he was fascinated about my story like first i presented myself just as a hindu you know a, a hindu monk because the word Hindu actually can, you know, it's a whole discussion, but don't you think the word Hinduism can actually be very, very helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. In that, those circles, it means, I mean, they can, they can relate with that. What, 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 what that means. Right. So after I told them that, you know, I had been a monk and I had been, you know, I, because of that ghost thing, or maybe because of past karma or whatever it is, my parents kind of, and because of perhaps my sort of sort of very sort of fanatical upbringing in Krishna consciousness. I don't want to blame, you know, senior devotees too much. A lot of it, I would say 95% has to do with my own whatever mistakes. And, and, and also the time, you know, there was like this strong anti-cult, anti-sect, you know, again, ethos in the air, especially in Europe, you know, it's kind of fading away in North America. But in the early 90s, mid 90s, Hare Krishna was still seen as a, as a cult, you know. 
And so my, my, my parents, my mother in particular, was very afraid that if, you know, if she died, for example, then um, I would give all the inheritance money that I would get from her to the Krishnas. Right. So now I had to process this afterwards because, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think when she got cancer and she remember I was in Calcutta and she called and she was like, I have cancer and, and I had to take a decision with her. I wanted to go and see her. She's like, no, no, keep traveling with Bhakti Chart with your guru. And, and I remember the last meeting I had with her was in this, because she considered to go, she considered dying in, 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 in India actually. Oh, wow. She even went to the, uh, she checked out the Apollo clinic in Delhi. Right. So my last meeting I had with her was at, it was in this, uh, uh, this um, Oberoi hotel in Delhi. And she was you know, about two, three months before she passed away. I remember the last thing she ever told me was, you know, become a very good devotee. Wow. But the backstory is that she felt, you know, hurt that, you know, the Krishnas had stolen her son. Yeah. And if any brahmachari is hearing this, dude, you got to call your mom and your dad. Like yes. more, more than you would if you were not a brahmachari. Totally. Right? Yeah. And that's why I kind of, yeah, kind of resent, you know, those mentors of mine who were kind of trained me up, so to speak. They should have said that to me. Like, hey, you know, are you calling your dad? Are you calling your mom? Are you staying in touch with them? When was the last time you visited them? Are, are they okay with what you're doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So like one of her best friends told me later on, she was like, you know, your, your mom felt like, you know, the Krishna stole her only son from her. And they were not going to steal her money now, you know. So, so after she passed away, I found out that you know, she, nine million dollars—that's a lot of money. I, I had received one million, and she had given nine to the Los Angeles Opera. <laughs> That's why the, the 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 title of my memoir was originally, you know, nine million to the LA Opera. <laughs> and back at Oxford, this professor was like, you know, when hearing about me traveling around the world, and this, he's like, Cyril, you are sitting on a gold mine. You should be glad that your parents disinherited you because you'll make more money with this book than, than you would have if you hadn't gotten disinherited. And you should dedicate the book to the LA Opera and, you know, the whole thing. And, and so he was like, you got to write a, you, you know, you have to, you know how many people would love to know what it's like to be in the mind of a Hare Krishna monk. Oh, it's brilliant. It takes place in England. And I mean, in, in America and in India and in France, and you have to write this book. You have to write this book. So to answer your question, what I've been doing since, uh, since I've been really trying to hone down the art of memoir writing. And one of my main projects right now, aside from setting up a business selling zeolite powder, which is a mineral powder i'm setting up a business with some two friends of mine from europe uh one is american and we'll see where that goes because i have to generate funds you know because i haven't been generating i actually haven't generated many funds in my entire life right and so now my little piece of cheese is getting short so i <laughs> pray to krishna that i can start generating funds but so aside from making whatever endeavors i can to make money um um, what's close to my heart is is writing this memoir called, you know, uh, Monk Until Monday. Actually, your godbrother, Jai Chaitanya. Yeah. Oh, you're so cool to put that up. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants the free copy, no strings attached, you can just go to the link and and I'll send you that like chapters by chapters. And and if, only if you want to write, you know, uh, yeah. a, a review on Amazon when it comes out, then I'd be very grateful. But thank I you for the sharing link. I put the link in the comments. Get a free book. Click on the link, get a free book. He's gonna send it. Is he gonna you're gonna send it to them? Yeah, yeah. Chat like it's not completely done yet. So so chapters okay. at a time, you know, over the next whatever, six months, hopefully, or maybe less. Fascinating. I mean, like 
we're not even done with the interview yet, but like the, all the stuff you're saying is super fascinating and it's all in this book. So go get the book, you know, fill fill out. There's a form you can fill out. How, how do you like that line? If I hadn't become, you know, like that book, like the monk who sold his Ferrari. Right. So if I hadn't I become mean, a monk, I could have bought a Ferrari. Yeah, it's, it's catchy. It's catchy. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> wow. Fascinating. So, and so Jay, Ch Jay Chaitanya, you're the, the disciple of Radnath Swami, who, uh, who was living in New York for some time. He's, I think yes. he's from L.A. Yes. So he came, he had that title, that word. He wanted to do a men's only sort of program for, you know, helping men with, with controlling their sex desire and, and, you know, just like men stuff. Yeah. And he wanted to call it Monk Until Monday. And when he said that, I was like, oh my God, that's such a great name. So <laughs> just a few months ago, I asked him, hey, do I have your permit? Because he didn't do anything with that. So do I have your permission to use that name? He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, <laughs> cool. And Medium Karma you know, a memoir of medium bad karma is, you know, once I was in Vrindavan some years back, maybe some of you who are watching, you know, this. there's this street astrologer who's sitting on the ground behind, you know, the back entrance of Krishna Balaram temple. Yeah. On green, yeah. Yeah. Yes. On a square plastic green tarp. Yeah. And he's guy, got a yeah. green wooden thing that says, you know, Vedic astrologer. Right. So I was like, okay, let me, you know, let me get my chart read by him. So he, you know, took my details and then he met me where I was staying and, and, you know, like that book by George Orwell, 1984, there's like, you know, a reduced vocabulary, like good plus good, super plus good. <laughs> yes. So his, his like way of analyzing different facets of my life from like relationship to parents, you know, uh, fatherhood, uh, wife, uh, you know, career, money, health, you know, whatever was very good, good, medium good, medium, <laughs> medium bad, and bad. <laughs> wow. So I thought, okay, medium bad karma. Because that's kind of how I see. I can't complain I've had bad karma, but I don't, I know, you know, it's right. all relative. That's like, I try to remind myself it's all relative. You know, we're, we're all, we're not our bodies, we're souls, and everyone's supposed to be suffering in this material world, excuse me. But, you know, I guess the grass is always greener on the other side. And, you know, this, this inheritance of $9 million and, you know, not being able, you know, personal things about relationships and not having perhaps been able to, to, to enter into a long-term, you know, marriage relationship when I wanted to, or right. setbacks, setbacks, I've certainly had a lot of setbacks in my life. And um, mm. so medium bad karma, I think is a good way to describe my, my lot, my karmic wow. lot in this, in this life. <laughs> fascinating I, I, that's really cool i'm really interested in this book and then and then tell us before so whoever's listening we're going to do question and answers so there's a few questions in the comments section so if you have any more questions please put them in the comments now and i'm going to be i'm going to get to them but before that i want to talk to you about um so i've been seeing on your facebook you're teaching bhakti shastri now yeah this is really cool like i really see this as krishna's mercy you know because i dropped out of a phd program and i realized like Tamal Krishnamarcha told me long ago, it's not really your nature. I'm not a scholar type. I'm not the kind of guy to sit behind, you know, in a library. And, and, and so, but I have, you know, enough academic qualifications and I guess experience in reading Prabhupada's books and distributing Prabhupada's books yeah. to, to teach Bhakti Shastri. And I'm happy with that, you know? And somehow the idea came up of like, well, why don't we, you know, set up a, a center of examination, get, you know, get permission from the ISKCON board of examination or whatever it's called, the education ministry. Accredi accreditation or whatever. Exactly. To be a center of examination uh, for Krishna West. 
And I was expecting all sorts of, you know, pushback because I'd even try, I tried to become a teacher at the Mayapur Institute and the head of the Mayapur Institute had said, no, you know, we don't want him to be a teacher because he's part of Krishna West. And so I was expecting like, now, you know, we're going to be our own like authorized. And it went like a, like a, like a knife in butter. Mm. Like it just went like a knife in soft butter, like no objection, like from beginning to end. And now we're just like Krishna West is is an official center of of giving you know the Bhakti Shastri and hopefully eventually the Bhakti Vaibhav and you know whatever courses Prabhupada want taught the it's gone disciple course right center of examination. So I asked Garuda who was on your show right like a yeah he's coming ago. on actually next month again. Oh wow, what's he going to talk about this time? Uh, book cha- uh, book changes again. again. No 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 he didn't talk about book changes the first time. We oh. kind of talked about. Um, uh, interpret like Prabhupada's controversial statements and how to process them oh, and things, okay, but okay, we didn't okay. get into book changes at all, but oh, we're going to okay. talk about that. Wonderful. Well, he suggested, cause we wanted to call it the Krishna West um, theological seminary. And then Redan and Marge and Garuda were like, well, wait a second, like, come on, you know what a seminary is? And so, you know, I, Christian yeah. seminaries are like hardcore programs, you know, where you have like a lot of different courses and, professors and it's just like and we're just like basically teaching you know it's gone cate- catechism you know which is like Prabhupada's <laughs> yeah. book. right but it's glorious too because it's the bhagavatam it's yeah amazing it's, it's great so after further consideration we're calling it the krishna west center for bhagavat studies is there a and website for that do it is there a website no but there's a youtube channel where we're planning to you know upload we're going to start on june 6 sunday 6 with a two-hour mandatory uh interactive or live class and then the rest is you know just questions and reading at home and it so, takes so, about or you yeah, so if someone wants to get more information about how to enroll or whatever where, where would they go to that youtube channel no they would just write to me easy okay. at gmail.com Put that up now. I was gonna do it at the end, but it's a it's a what's it called? Rolling enrollment. So you know, there's four modules in the Bhakti Shastri course: Bhagavad yeah. Gita, Ishopanishad, Bhagavad Gita, Nectar, Devotion, Nectar, Instruction. Right. So after each module, we accept new students, and you just do four modules from where you started. Yeah. So, but we're starting our first module on June 6th. There's there's five, four, five, maybe six students right now. And, wow. Um, I just want to say, I had kind of like a crisis of faith in like 2005 or something and i thought i don't know if i want to do if i want to be a devotee or i don't know what i want to do really hmm. and so someone suggested to me why don't you bhakti shastri and i thought why well, why should i do that and said it's it, you can understand what this what the whole thing is about it's like the the philosophy of krishna consciousness you know really dedicating yourself to to understanding the philosophy of Krishna consciousness and reading Prabhupada's books and studying them actually in a really systematic way. It changed my life. I where did you, it in where 2000, did you do it? And Vrindavan, you... 2006. Oh, you were in Vrindavan? Yeah. Wow. So I stayed in Vrindavan with two friends. We did it for what, five months in, wow. in the summer in Vrindavan. I don't suggest that to anyone because it was really, really austere. But I got so much out of it. And that's when I like con- I convinced myself that this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be a devotee of Krishna because wow. I was convinced by reading Prabhupada's books in a very systematic way. So I suggest anyone who's kind of like not sure or really is interested in Bhakti Shastri, go check out 
this course that's starting on June 6 with Prabhu here and write to him. There's another teacher too. Sorry. Another teacher as well. Yeah, it's Amna Iward. There's two teachers. Another is Madhavendra Puri. He's a senior Bhakti Charosam disciple from France who taught actually. Maybe he taught you. He was teaching with Burijan at the VIHE for years. Right. right. And so two of us are right now teaching it. Uh, yeah, and you know, you need, I mean, whatever. If you're really, if you're part of ISKCON and you need, you want your first or second initiation, you have to take Bhakti Shastri anyway. Right. So, yes. Might yes. as well take it from the official certified. Yeah, <laughs> Krishna West Center for Bhagavad Studies, which is great because, you know, there was a whole issue. You know, is Krishna West really part of ISKCON? Yes or no? So now that yeah. Krishna West is an is a project that's, you know, administering cer accredited certified ISKCON degrees, it's, yeah. as far as I see it, you know, Krishna West is forever cemented into the fabric of, of ISKCON, I would Very say. Very cool. Very cool. So let's get to the questions uh, from the comment section. So here's, here's one. Um, Hare Krishna, such a wonderful, riveting journey. In your journey, you have, you, have you had personal spiritual setbacks? If yes, in those moments, how did you pick yourself back up? How did you find your like-minded sangha? Yeah, I mean, you know, I want, I don't want. This is public, so I don't want to maybe give specific details. Sure, but there are, you know, the notion of accidental fall down is there in our scriptures. Yeah, and so yeah, I've certainly had my lot, you know, and hopefully I won't again. But cow dung happens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can you put up the question again? Because yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, personal setbacks, and it all had to do, I think, with lack of association. You lack know, whenever I found myself. Like, for example, when back to UC, UC Santa Barbara, I had a choice between going to Gainesville, like here at Community College, and I decided to go to, to UC Santa Barbara. And then all of a sudden, I found myself alone, you know, and on this college campus. And, uh, you know, I just became, I became considerably weak spiritually, mm. you know? Mm. So whenever I had setbacks where lust, you know, really kicked back in really hard, um, it's, it's it was maybe because I committed offenses. I mean, that's what our scriptures say also, but I, I definitely see the difference when I stay in good association, when I, when I stay in the fire of Sankirtan, when I, you know, make it a point to, 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 to join a Kirtan every day, if possible, when I make it a point yeah. to read the Bhagavatam, like I haven't been doing this for a long time, for years. I listen to lectures on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. And I remember when I was a brahmachari, I used to read the Bhagavatam regularly, like with prophets purports. So now I don't know if you guys know, but you should you should check the this this website called the Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library.org. Have you heard of that? Yes, let me put it up so we can show you. you. The Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library is based out in Uvrindavan, and it's a high-class, totally professional reading with purports of the entire Bhagavatam and other books of Prabhupada. So I've been I've you know I have a, an app called Speed Up. It's called uh, Speed Up Pro on yeah. my on my little uh, iPhone, and so I have the audiobook. And so now I've made it a point every day for thirty minutes, thirty minutes and six seconds precisely, because that's three plus plus three plus six is nine, and that's an auspicious number. Whatever, <laughs> thirty minutes. I listen to the Bhagavatam, and like what I do is I'll I'll play it with purports, and I put a bookmark at the at the beginning of a verse, right? And I'll listen to the verse and then I'll press the, 
bookmark, listen to the verse again, maybe two or three times. Then I let it play, listen to the purport of Prabhupada. And when the next verse comes on, I put a bookmark there, but then I click on the previous bookmark and I listen to that last verse one last time. And then I click the next bookmark and that brings me to the next verse. And I let so it play two or three times. And then I let it play fully with the purport. And in this way, right, I, I just get a really nice absorption in the storyline. And I listen, you know, and if I space out while I'm listening to the purport, I go back 10 seconds and really listen. And that's been revolutionary. So to answer Naimi Sharanya Prabhu's question, I think the I think the solution is an open secret, you know, good association and good hearing and chanting. Mm. Uh, technical question. Um, did you say that you have another app that you use to play the things that yeah, you can get you from can the, download the book? You can either stream the, the, the book yeah. or you can download it as an MP3 and then transfer it to your Samsung or to your iPod and then I use see. any any type of MP3 playing app that plays MP3s as audiobooks. And that's the that's the app that you have. What is it called again? I mean, there's tons on the market, but this one has a bookmark, so I don't know about the other ones. This one's called uh, Speed Up Player Pro. Okay. Okay. Cool. That's good to know. And also, you can stream it like from your phone as well. That's really neat. Oh, and they have an app as well. It looks like uh, the Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library has an app. Cool. Well, wow, very nice. Okay. Um, Hare Krishna Prabhu. Please accept my humble bases. Uh, could you please ask Prabhu a question about his experience of being secretary to His Holiness Bhakti Shri Swami? Any fine memory that he can share? Just one thing. That would be really nice, I guess. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, a few highlights. Please. God, I remember once it was a Vyasa Puja offering for him, and we were celebrating it in South Africa. And I had collected little anecdotes which I have, I should have, of, you know, things I had experienced with him, funny things, you know. And so I was reading them, I was reading it, and I was reading it, people, everyone was just cracking up, cracking up. And, you know, I like when people laugh because I, I find my, my life is kind of sad. So when I can make devotees laugh, it's like, wow. And then Bhakti Charusong was laughing, and he was laughing so much at hearing these stories, these memories, that he was like, he was, he, his stomach, he was like, he, tears were flowing from his eye. He was like, he took off his glasses. He was wiping his, his <laughs> eyes because he was laughing so much and his stomach was hurting while wow. laughing. Um, one anecdote, one anecdote. Oh, I got so many. And yet, you know, what can I say? What can I say? What can I say? A nice anecdote. Mm. And when I, I got chastised once in New Vrindavan, um, because we were filming Abhay Charan and he was, he had this car, this, it was a good car, an expensive car, like an old secondhand Mercedes. And um, he had to go to London because actually one of his disciples was passing away. So he went to London to see her off, you know, as she was in the hospital. And so during these two or three days <laughs> of the shooting, one of the, one of the team members who was a Guru Kuli. I know the story. You know the story, right? Tell yeah. us, tell us. Yeah, he crashed the car. He crashed the car. He's like, hey, uh, he was like such a fast talker. He's like, hey, Chandra, you know, give me the key because, you know, we're going to go wash the two or, two or three cars. Oh, I'll get them washed at the same the time. And I, and I was like, oh, okay. So I, I gave him the key to the Merc. And that night, he went driving crazy with other friends from New Vrindavan. Yeah. You know, in these like crazy roads of, of, uh, of West Virginia. 
And then on their way back, when they're you know, finally driving back, and they were going super fast on the last stretch back to the to, to New Vrindavan, a deer went right in front of them. And so they turn and then they toppled and then they, they came this close to the gas container that, you know, heats up all of New Vrindavan. In other words, the whole New Vrindavan could have just exploded in flames <laughs> if the car had come this much closer to the, to the <laughs> And oh, none of them got I hurt. Those details. The car was totaled. None of them got hurt. And then, you know, they, they, I guess they called Maharaj. And so when he came back, he didn't say a word to me, nothing, you know. And I was like, gosh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the sauce. And uh, then, you know, like this Swami came to talk and the parents of the kids came, you know, meeting after meeting after meeting, you know, and it was like 10 p.m. And when the last one finally, you know, said, okay, Marge, goodbye and left, he was in one of those cabins. He turned around. The first word he says, he says, actually, this is all your fault. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was funny. Oh, it wasn't really funny. It was, it was, it was, it was hard. Yeah, Krishna. Yeah, now I when I you know I, I, he told me this. He like you'll appreciate my association. He told me once, you know, and it's true. Like I find myself, for example, like chanting japa and and like remembering his example. He was he was quite strict in, in chanting his japa. Not that I'm very strict, but at least the idea of waking up early. He never woke up with a with an alarm. He just yeah. woke up naturally without an alarm clock. So yeah, those were you know, I spent a lot of time with him and. I'm grateful. Yes. Um, I guess uh, this is from when you're talking about book distribution. What if you asked uh, if they wanted to give wanted to give a donation because of Gyatis Sukriti, right? Yeah. Look, if you feel like saying these are free, these are free. But if you want to give a donation, we accept it. I think that's legit. I personally just don't like to bring in having done both now for many years, I personally yeah. just don't like to bring in the money issue at all. And I feel I have this total freedom to, to not think in the back of my head, okay, when, I, when, when is the donation line going to come? There's none. It's just what you see is what you get. Are you interested? It's about Krishna. I'm getting a lot of inspiration from it. It's yours if you want. But yeah, if you, what I don't like is like, you know, you hand the book in the hand of the, you put, put the book in the hand of a person and they're like holding in, and, like, and you can see from their body language, like what's going on, what's going on. And it's like, oh, so where are you from? And you, you know, they're asking all these personal questions, so the person feels like polite, so they have to, you know, answer the questions, although they're, you know, want to go wherever they were supposed to do. And then, oh wow, that's great. Oh wow, oh, great. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well yeah, you keep it with you. We just asked for a donation. <sighs> yeah. I just, I don't like that. I don't think it's, it's, it's just going to last long. I don't think it's, it's proper for anyone, even brahmacharis. Right. So if if you want to say, look, these are free. These are you know these are totally free. Of course, we have to have the in, we have to have sponsored books to be able to give them out for free. But hey, if the Mormons can do it, and if the you know Christians can do it, why can't the Vaishnavas do it or the Iskon devotees do it? Yeah. So it's up to you. Just yeah, I get the Sukriti, but at what cost? You know that they throw away the book in a garbage can, and Bhakta and Juan comes back and sells it to you for fifty cents a pop. Or like yeah, you know I made this really amazing. He calls himself a devotee of Krishna, and he gave me a book of, of ancient wisdom that talks about God. And wow, he gave it to me. You know, I would go with the latter in terms of PR, but hey, no hard and fast rules. Yeah, uh, there's there's only one more question here, and then I want to just talk really briefly about your YouTube channel. The Abai Charan series is amazing. We are so sad we already watched all the episodes. Are there any plans for another Krishna mm -hmm. conscious series? By the way, your acting was awesome, Prabhu. Love from Berlin. 
Thanks. <laughs> I don't know if there's another series. No, I don't think so. I haven't heard anything. No. That was amazing. That was fun. You know, he he once Bhakti Charaswami told me he said, I'm the first sannyasi ever to be a film to be a movie maker. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cute. Uh, we, we would wait, like we would watch it at the temple for Sunday feast when the next one came out, like it was like the new one came out. Okay. We're all going to like sit in front of this TV for Sunday feast and watch it. And, and you know, the, the early ones were like Falgu Baba and those were so exciting. Do you remember that? Like, yeah, the production, you know, we, he didn't have much money and you know, there's that verse from the Bhagavatam that says, you know, these, these literatures, even though imperfectly composed are heard, sung and accepted by purified men who are thoroughly honest. So you really have to have that. Yeah, mode in watching, watching it now videos. now would be like a little like okay this is a little dated but at the time it was i thought it was fantastic as a kid uh mm -hmm. here's another question you've said you don't regret but in retrospect do you think devotees should have encouraged you to continue college um yes i think so in good association so perhaps if they had said listen why don't you just transfer to some college where there's devotees i think so because maybe i wouldn't have lost nine million dollars <laughs> or I've never, <laughs> never lost him because I never had him. But, uh, right. You know, and then like going down in terms of the social ladder, you know, like all of a sudden it's like, oh God, Cyril, you know, the, the college, the, the Ivy League college dropout who joined the cult, you know, whereas what have been the difficulty in just, you know, sticking it out for three, four more years, get the degree and then join the Brahmacharya Ashram, for example, if I still wanted to, you know. So right. I think that, yeah, I think I, I would have preferred to be told, hey, look, no, you got a great opportunity. Just make sure you got good association. And and even, you know, why don't you open a, a Bhakti Yoga Center at your school, you know? Mm. But what does I say? Like hindsight, what is it? Vision is perfect in hindsight or something? 2020. Yeah, hindsight, hindsight is 2020. Yeah, hindsight is 2020. What's your, um, what's your YouTube channel called? Oh, my YouTube channel is called Devotion Yoga. And it just kind of blew up from small scale. It's not like, you know, John Avia with 120,000 followers or, but um, I made this one video called, um, am I a Hindu? And for a couple of weeks, I just, I, I got like a thousand subscribers in a matter of two weeks. It was kind of amazing. Then it just stopped. But um, yeah. Okay. So you're, you're making a lot of um, different videos like music and kind of your, views on things as well and i try to quote stuff. the gita i try to you know stick to to krishna but some are reaction videos some are different topics and right yeah very cool go okay. check out um chandrasekhar prabhu's uh youtube channel as well i'm going to put it in the comments as well okay well um chandrasekhar prabhu that was really fun thank you for for joining and thank uh you. That, that was really, really nice. And 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 for, for those who want to get in touch with uh, Chandrasekhar Acharya Prabhu, you can get him on Facebook as um, Sura War, as uh, his his uh, civilian name, and Chandrasekhar Prabhu. And also uh, he is on by email, as we mentioned earlier, easybhakti at gmail.com. Get in touch with him. Do the Bhakti Shastri course. Get his book. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Let me add one last thing. Sure. I have to say thanks to Indrajunda Swami because the whole period of my life after traveling with Bhakti Charu Swami was spending a lot of time on the Polish tour. And that oh, was a huge period of my life, which was amazing. And for me, right. you know, and that whole ISKCON Russia, Eastern, you know, ex-communist bloc flavor of Krishna consciousness and 
doing, you know, getting 10,000 kids to chant Hare Krishna as part of the Village of Peace band when I was a lead singer. So not that I want to, you know, talk about myself. I just want to give a shout out <laughs> at the risk sure. of sounding really corny to introduce the song because that was a really important part of my life is, is those mm. years that I, I traveled with him in Poland and Australia and that whole, he gave me a lot of things and I want to thank him also. Very cool. My my wife's listening from the other room and she's asking a question here. Any more music in the pipeline? Because our family's a big fan of your summer Hare Are Krishna video. Yeah, oh God, I, yeah I love humbled. it. I, we like we love uh, we love that kind of style of 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 Mahamantra like Nam rock kind of thing. Like you know, a cool music video and chanting Hare Krishna. I love that. We we oh, like it a you. lot. So. Any any more music in the pipeline? Tulsi and I, the devotee who did that, you know, Jai Jagannath song, you see it on that first video on, on my channel. We were planning to do, we were talking about making another album, but right now I think I want to finish that book. Okay. And um, we, we love the music. Continue the music. Very nice. You're kind. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, Chandrasekhar Prabhu. It was so a much. really, uh, okay, Tulsi, adding another thing. I got to put this up. It's great for dancing <laughs> in the kitchen and for the kids. Well, yeah, if I can we'll do of any service like that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so thank you again, Chandrasekhar Acharya Prabhu. Really awesome to hear from you and to catch up with you and hear your story. Fascinating stuff. And uh, if you want to hear uh, more stuff, go on my YouTube channel, uh, my Facebook page. Chandrasekhar Prabhu, stay on. I'm going to turn live off so we can chat a little bit afterwards. But uh, yeah, that's uh, episode 61 of the late morning program. Take care, everyone, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Hurry, Bull. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.